0: Welcome to the Life Christian Church podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. If we haven't met, my name's Terry Smith. I uh, have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at the Life Christian Church. Love to have an opportunity to meet you before the day is over. So I recently watched a movie called The Diving Bell and The Butterfly. It tells a story that is both sad and inspiring at the same time based on the memoir of Jean-Dominique Bauby. Bauby was the sophisticated and successful French editor of Elle magazine and a highly respected journalist but when he was just 43 years old he suffered a devastating stroke after which he was in coma for 20 days and when he awoke He couldn't use any part of his body except to blink just one of his eyes. He had vision, but he couldn't move. He had all of his mental faculties, but he did not have the ability to communicate his thoughts, at least not until he learned to painstakingly communicate by blinking his one eye, which is how he wrote his memoir. He blinked his eye, making letters and words and paragraphs. A a loving caregiver learned how to understand what it was that he was saying. And again, this is how he wrote his memoir. And in his memoir, he shares quite uh, poignantly, His terrifying experience of living with the condition he was diagnosed with post-stroke, which was locked-in syndrome. Locked-in syndrome speaks to the condition of a person who has vision, but they cannot execute their vision. He could see, but all he could do was see and blink one eye. I can't help but wonder if this isn't how God must sometimes feel. Scripture tells us that God, through Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. God has a vision, but in this world, he has chosen to limit the execution of that vision to the church. We, all of us together, are his body, each of us, as individuals are members of his body and God has decided to only do what he does in this world through us. And I suggest that we must not be the cause of God experiencing locked in syndrome. And I think that this is particularly relevant as it concerns this series that we're in, The Lord Bless You, 28 Days of Blessing, where we've been teaching about how much God wants to bless people and how blessing is to be in harmonious relationship with God who wants to do good in us, to us, and through us. We've taught how blessing is inextricably related to fulfilling our purpose and how that in God's very first interaction with the man and woman he made, he blessed them and delineated his purpose for them. And key to this was that he decided to do what he wanted to do on this planet through people. Now, he didn't have to do that. He's sovereign. He could choose any means that he decided. But he chose to do what he wanted to do, On this planet, through the people he created and is in covenant with. The author Philip Yancey captured this when he captured a theologian who said, Man is God's risk. And then Yancey writes, nearly everything theologians say about human freedom sounds somehow right and somehow wrong. How can a sovereign God take risk or imprison himself? Yet God's creation of man and woman approached that kind of astonishing self-limitation. God has decided to fulfill his vision on the planet through people like you and me. And this is especially true of his passionate desire to bless people. He wants to bless people through you, which means that you are an agent of blessing. And that's what I want to talk about for a little while today, how that God intends to bless the world through you and me. So we've discussed how Adam and Eve blew it. God shows up in the beginning, his very first interaction with humanity, Adam and Eve, is he blessed them and that he purposed them, but through the exercise of their own free will, they rejected God's blessing and did not fulfill their God-designed purpose, which was to multiply the God image, the image in which they were created through the planet, and to spread what they had in Eden through the entire earth. So move forward. God started over with Noah, and he blessed Noah and his family. Genesis 9 tells us, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them essentially the same thing he said to Adam and Eve. Remember, God didn't change his mind. What he wanted in the beginning is what he always wanted, what he wants, what he'll have in the end. So when he starts over with Noah, what does he say? The same thing he said to Adam and Eve. He blessed them, and he said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And then from Noah's descendants, God chose and blessed Abraham, whose family he then tasked with the responsibility ability to what? Do the same thing that he wanted Adam and Eve to do, but which they messed up. He chose Abraham and his family through whom he would bless the entire world. The Lord said to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, this blessing ultimately came, the blessing promised to Abraham ultimately came in the person of Jesus who came from Abraham's family. Jesus brought God's full blessing back to this world. Everyone who believes in Jesus lives in God's blessing according to Scripture. Jesus took the curse of Adam on himself on the cross, and he made it possible for us to live in the blessing God wanted for people in the beginning. He fixed what Adam and Eve broke, and part of how... Us coming into what God wants for us is, dis- is discussed in Scripture is as the blessing of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, meaning everybody through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So, God's vision was to bless the people he created. We have received that blessing. We are in relationship with God. We have peace with God. We have his spirit in our lives if we've believed in Jesus. He does good in us and to us. But the other part of that vision, where we need to move today, is that he wants to bless the world through us. And the fact is, his vision, his vision for everything he wants for humanity, what he's wanted from the beginning, His vision will not be fulfilled unless it's fulfilled through us. We must bring God's blessing to the world. And if we don't, God is locked, if you please, in his body, unable to do what God wants to do for people and for this planet. All the world must be blessed through us You have, as the well-known saying goes, in fact, been blessed to be a blessing. So what does it look like for us to bless someone? I intend today's message to be very practical when it's all said and done. And I intend, um, before we leave here today, to encourage you to make decisions, having perhaps new knowledge to bless people in your life. So let's talk for a moment, having established that God wants to bless us and bless people through us, let's establish what it looks like to bless someone. There are, in fact, any number of ways that we can bless people. We'll talk about some of those later. But a good overview would include this. If I bless another person, it means that I invoke and help bring God's blessing into their lives. I offer them unconditional love and acceptance. I let them know how valuable they are to God and to me. I speak good into their future in a way that has prophetic implications and shapes reality. And I act in ways to help bring that preferred future to pass. Dallas Willard said it, beautifully, when he said that blessing is the actual putting forth of your will for the good of another person. So if you've been blessed, then everything about you should be mediating blessings. Blessings should be pouring into you and then from you and cascading into the lives of others. I like how God told Moses to tell the priest how to bless the people. You'll be familiar with this because you hear me or someone pray this prayer in part every Sunday for our benediction. God told Moses to tell the priest... This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And then God said, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. I love this. He says, when the priest... Say this blessing, they put my name on the people they're blessing, and I will bless them as a result of the action they take to bless the people. Now, the New Testament teaches that we are all priests, all of us. There is no special class of blessers in Christianity. We all have access to God and have the ability to mediate things from God into the lives of others. Remember, God wants to do what he wants to do on the earth through us. So what God wants to do can be mediated through each of us. We are all in a position to bring God's blessing. I think everything in us, everything about us, should constantly be saying, the Lord bless you to everyone around us in every possible way. And we must be confident that when we bless people, we put God's name on them, and God, in fact, does bless them. He blesses them as a result of the words we've said. He blesses them in result in, in, in response to actions we take. We put God's name on people, and God blesses them through us. You are an instrument of blessing. I stand every Sunday morning, and I, again... I say this priestly, the Lord bless you, benediction, but that's not the only way or even the primary way to to give someone else a blessing. Praying a blessing, speaking a blessing is incredibly important, but it's also important to live our lives every day in a way that radiates blessing. When we really see people, when we project good intentions towards them, when we do good to them, we help them grow closer to God and move toward their God dream future and and when we do that, the Lord blesses them. You are an agent of God's blessing. So let's talk about five agents of blessing perspectives. Five agents of blessing perspectives. Here's the first one. Refuse to leave anyone unblessed. By the way, I every once in a while I like to mention To those of you who may be new to us, that when you walked in, you receive life notes, and many of us take notes as someone is teaching every week. And the reason we do that is because it increases, all the studies say that it it, it's a great learning technique. You'll forget 95% of what I say after a football game or two today. But um, but if you take notes, you'll remember more, and then you'll be able to come back to it this week. And uh, so I encourage you to follow along if you'd like to. Perspective one, refuse to leave anyone unblessed. One of the most famous blessing stories in history is the story of Isaac, son of Abraham, and how he gave his full blessing to his son Jacob rather than to his son Esau. On one hand, this is a beautiful story. On the other hand, it's a tragic story. The, the, it's a beautiful story from the perspective of Isaac who received this blessing from his father, Jacob. Here are some of the words that Jacob used to bless his son Isaac. Genesis 27, Isaac says to Jacob, Come here, my son, and kiss me. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham. It's beautiful. On the other hand, it's tragic. It's tragic because Esau did not receive this blessing from his father, and when he heard that Jacob had given his blessing to Isaac, rather to him, we're told that he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. Esau was, by this time, a grown man, a married man, a certifiable, tough guy, man, but we're told that he sought his father's blessing with tears. Esau's desperation in this moment is a natural, an instinctive response from a person who has not received the blessing that they need or want. The fact is that Each of us have people in our sphere of influence who have a hole in their heart because they've not received the blessing they need or want and which God wants to give them. But God has decided to bless them through you. So we must pay attention. We must see them. We must take action to bless them. We must not leave anyone unblessed. And you might be surprised who some of those people are. There are the obvious ones like our children and spouses and close friends, but there are also employers and employees and neighbors and fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. God has entrusted us with immense responsibility to bless those who need to be blessed. Proverbs uh, has this famous passage that tells us that the tongue has the power of life or death. This means that our words have the power to actually transform someone's life. But I also think that our lack of words... Our lack, in this case, of bringing someone the blessing they want or need can deny someone life, or at least leave them with something less than the life in all of its fullness that Jesus so desperately wants to give us. We must each decide to use the power that we've been given to bring life. We must not leave anyone around us in the realm of the unblessed. Here's the second perspective. It's to position yourself to receive blessing. So you may say, okay, I see my responsibility to bring someone else a blessing, but I feel a little like Esau, in some relationship at least, because I've not received the blessing that I want or need, and I'm the person who feels like I have a hole in my heart as a consequence. So you may feel like you're in the realm of the unblessed. Well, I'm going to encourage you then to ask for the blessing that you want or need. Asking for a blessing positions you to receive blessing. Scripture teaches us that even though God knows what we need before we ask him, he still wants us to ask him for it. When we ask God for something, it engages our will and expresses faith in both of these things. Asking and expressing our faith are important to God. When we engage our will and pray in faith, it positions us to receive things from God that He already knows we need and that He already wants to do, but the act of asking in faith allows Him to do what He wants to do. Well, now think about the people in your life who you need to bless you. They are not like God in that they probably don't know that you feel unblessed by them. They don't perhaps understand that or even understand enough about blessing to grasp and certainly not practice that. I encourage you to ask them to give you their blessings. I encourage you to do this with patience and understanding. I can imagine you saying something like this, Dad, mom, brother, sister, friend, or someone with spiritual authority in my life, you don't know the outsized role you play in my life. What you feel about me and think about me is very important to me. I would like you to speak a blessing over me, and I need to have an ongoing sense of your active blessing as I move forward in my life. And then if necessary, explain to them how to give you their blessing. Or in all seriousness, I detail this in chapter 16 of my book, The Lord Bless You. And you know, Always, guys, you may be new to us and you hear us promoting a book that I've just written here, but you should know that We always have not just a weekend sermon, but we have a daily devotional reading and often a book that we're recommending people read so that we take the truths that are taught in the sermon on Sunday and dig deep and apply them in our lives. And I'm not going to be able in 45 minutes today to say everything to you that needs to be said about this subject, but you can read about it. And it may be that if you have someone that you need to bring you a blessing that you Gift them this book or another book that teaches on this subject so that they can learn how to bring a blessing. Now let me acknowledge this. There may be some key person in your life who is incapable of offering you their blessing. Maybe they're just spiritually or emotionally incapable, or perhaps they're no longer with us. And if that's the case and that's very real, I'm sorry. I want to encourage you to find a surrogate, to find someone to be in their stead to bring you the blessing that God wants to bring to you through other people in your life. There's a young pastor uh, here in New Jersey who I met several years ago, very dynamic young man building a a wonderful church uh, in this state. And um, his father died when he was not yet 30, when this young man wasn't yet 30. His dad was a great man. But um, obviously, this young man feels like he's missing something in his life. And he... He initiated a relationship. We met at some conference event thing, and he initiated a relationship with me. And if you please kind of pursued me to be engaged in his life, he kind of wouldn't let me not be engaged in his life. And, uh, and at one point, he said something to the effect of, I need someone like you in my life to bring me your blessing. And when he's making major decisions, he speaks to me and asks me for my thoughts and my blessing. When they had a little uh, uh, baby, he and his wife, he brought me to his congregation to say a prayer of blessing over them and to dedicate the child. I, I can't be his father. His father was a truly great man, but his father isn't there. And so he pursued me to play this surrogate role in his life. And it may be that you might think about something similar where you find someone in your life and you, listen guys, this is might be difficult to do. You ask them, you ask them to give you a blessing. Now, giving a blessing isn't always or perhaps even usually a one-time formal event. Those are, there's, there's a need for that. I'm going to speak to that in a few moments. But but I think that each of us, you know, so, so what do I mean by that? What do I mean by informal? Well, in very general terms, uh, you, to, 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 you, when you're bringing blessing to someone, you're thinking good thoughts about them. You're saying good things about them and to them. You're doing good things to them and for them. Uh, I'm thinking about a, a guest pastor that we had some years ago when my kids were younger, and um, he was someone that we all had a great deal of respect for. And over the course of, of the morning that he was here, in between services, sitting in the green room and so on, each of my kids came in at some point, and he he asked them questions, listened, paid attention, engaged, then he spoke words, affirmative words over them. And then by the time the morning was over, he'd slipped each of them a crisp 100 bill. They were younger. It was a big deal to them at that time. It was. A, it's an example of someone just exuding blessing from themselves. And I think this is something that if we're intentional about this, we are constantly, as the next perspective says, radiating blessings from us. Perspective three, view yourself as a blessing radiator. I do need to come back. I'm sorry, and make sure that I do say this And you'll see it on the screen behind me. I think we each need to invest in relationships. Now, again, I'm talking now about our need for blessing. We each need to invest in relationships with people who constantly convey their blessing to us by loving us, believing in us, speaking words of faith into us, and helping us move toward our God-inspired dreams. I'm trying to tell you that you have some responsibility to find people like that in your life and help people know how to bless you. For some of you, that may happen in your life group. For for others of you, it may happen on your life team. For others of you, it may happen in some other set of relationships. Surround yourself with people who are bringing blessing into your life. Okay, perspective three. View yourself then, you're blessed now, as a blessing radiator. You may not see yourself as someone who's in a position to bless others, but if you've been blessed by God, you are in a position to bless others. Daniel Goleman, the groundbreaking author of books on emotional and social intelligence, wrote that emotions are contagious, that we transmit moods from each other. We catch feelings from one another as though they were some kind of social virus. I like that. But more importantly, I want us to get a picture in our minds that we can catch blessings from each other and for you to think of yourself as a blessing contagion, infecting everyone around you with something supernatural and inexplicably wonderful. If you are blessed, the people around you will inevitably be blessed Two, you are infectious, a positive pandemic of blessing, and the people in your life cannot avoid catching the blessing that will be emanating from you. I want you to see yourself that way. We see this demonstrated in how blessing flowed from Abraham to his family and from his family to those who were around them. For instance, Abraham's grandson Jacob was so blessed that his blessing flowed into the house of his father-in-law and employer, Laban, who wasn't very nice to Jacob all the time. Nonetheless, as Jacob was planning to leave Laban's employment, Laban pleaded with him, If I have found favor in your eyes, please stay. The Lord has blessed me because of you. And then he said, Name your wages and I will pay them. How can you get a raise at work? You're radiating blessings in such a way that the business is blessed because you're there. That's the kind of expectation you should have about yourself. I'm also thinking about Jacob's son, Joseph, who was going through a terrible time as a person enslaved in the household of Potiphar in Egypt. But Genesis 39 tells us that Potiphar put him in charge, Joseph, Of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had. I want you to see yourself. You may have an employer who's not even very nice to you, but nonetheless, someday they're going to be begging you to stay around and to pay you more money and to treat you better because everything they own is blessed because of you. I'm thinking about how eventually all of Egypt was blessed by Joseph's presence and how when Joseph brought his father Jacob into the presence of Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, we're told Jacob blessed Pharaoh. You wouldn't have thought that Jacob, a refugee, would have been in a position to bless the most powerful man in the world, but you might be surprised the position you're in. Why? Not because of your position in society, but because of your position in Christ and that you have the blessing of Abraham and the blessing of Abraham is flowing through you and blessing everybody around you. We were discussing this principle in a recent staff team devotional time, and Kevin McCollum, our Executive Director of Business and Finance, talked about how that when his son Michael was diagnosed with a cancerous tumor on his head and courageously fought cancer and is now, by the way, cancer-free and doing great and now a college student. how that while he was fighting cancer, he shared a hospital, a hospital room for some time with a young man who was terminally ill and in constant and intense pain. Pain to the point that he often couldn't keep from crying out. Michael said that the medical staff would come in and try to help him, but they really couldn't. There was little they could do for him. And how that the medical staff would come in to give him news, and it was always bad news. But, Michael said, this kid, a teenager, would thank them and encourage them and speak well of them and make them laugh. And as Kevin told us, everybody who came in contact with this young man felt blessed by him. Doctors, nurses, fellow patients, and more. The reason I say that is you might be surprised. You may not see yourself in a position to be the person bringing the blessing, but you have been blessed and you have a responsibility and the potential and the power to bring blessing to everyone everywhere you go in this world. See yourself as a living, breathing, blessing transmitter. Be intentional about this. Everyone in your life blessed because of you. And then there are times when some of us need to offer a more formal blessing, which leads us to perspective four. Perspective four is picture those you are uniquely responsible to bless and insist on giving them your blessing. So... Let me make this clear. Each of us should constantly be radiating blessings in all kinds of ways. And many times it's informal. You're not necessarily saying, the Lord bless you and keep you, but you're conducting your life in a way that's a blessing to the people around you, and you're thinking about that. But then there are those times when we have a unique responsibility because of a role we play in someone's life. An example of that, of course, would be a parent and their their children, but there are others where we're the person who needs to bring a blessing in a formal way, if, if, if not once, perhaps at key moments and intervals in someone's life. And uh if that 's true of you, then you need to take advantage of any opportunity that offers itself to bring a blessing that 's a very clear blessing. It may be a rite of passage uh, uh here at t l c c for instance, we do this very intentionally when our when our uh sixth graders complete their catechism, which is a very intense course that we take them through when when they uh, uh, enter sixth grade. When they finish their catechism every spring, we have a rite of passage here. We call it a celebration of passage, and the church comes around these kids, and we're very clear in speaking a blessing over these kids and projecting that blessing into their future and pledging that we're going to be engaged in their lives in a way and in in their family's lives in a way that's going to help bring that blessing to pass. That's an example of a rite of passage perhaps you you should use. Or maybe it's a live celebration such as a wedding or a signature birthday. Maybe if you don't have something like that, you create some unique occasion to offer your blessing. Follow the biblical pattern of laying your hands on that person or touching them in some other appropriate and meaningful way. For instance, when Jacob blessed his grandsons, he put them on his knees, he kissed and embraced them, and then he laid his hand on their heads. It doesn't have to be left to a pastor to lay his or her hand on someone's head. As a parent, you need to stand in a position to mediate blessing to your children. You have the right, the privilege, the responsibility, to lay your hands on them and to bring God's blessing into their lives. When Jesus blessed children, we're told he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. And then you speak words that convey unconditional love and that express how much that person is valued. Be specific about some praiseworthy thing he or she has done and detail a positive quality you have observed. I'm reading now from the Lord bless you, actually. Speak in faith about good things you see for his or her future and then articulate ways you intend to help that future come to pass. Most importantly, invoke God's presence because ultimately it's his blessing that people most desperately need. I'm working on being more intentional about this. For instance, with my children. Recently, uh, our youngest son, Christian, celebrated his 30th birthday, and his wife, Amanda, asked each member of the family and some close friends to write something to him that she artistically arranged in some kind of memento. And I took that as an opportunity to convey to my son, which I've done in other forms, to convey to him my blessing. Um, he's in London, so I couldn't physically touch him. but I thought through how to bring a blessing according to the kind of the formula I've just read to you from the Lord bless you. And, and this is what I wrote. Sometime around Jesus' 30th birthday, His father said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I can think of no more appropriate words to speak to you as you turn 30. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I love you unconditionally, but I I am also pleased at the way you have conducted your life to this moment. I am especially pleased at your commitment to and pursuit of God, Amanda, and your calling. I am excited to see your future unfold and look forward to seeing great success as you finish your formal educations, Ph.D., fully engage your calling, and build your family. I pray to be here cheering you on for many years to come. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Happy birthday. So. Find an opportunity to be deliberate and intentional to bring your blessing to people around you to whom you have a unique role to play in their lives in a formal way. Here's perspective five. We'll wrap it up with this. It's to bend low to bless the apparently unblessable. Bend low to bless the the apparently unblessable. One of my favorite all-time stories, I've done a sermon about this in the past, and I write about this in chapter 17 of The Lord Bless You, is a story written by a surgeon who shared his heart-rending experience of removing a tumor from a young woman's cheek and how, though he tried with religious fervor to limit the damage to her face, a twig of the nerve to the muscles of her mouth was severed. After the surgery, he stood at her bedside and was crestfallen to see her, as he wrote it, face post-operative, her mouth twisted in palsy, clownish. Her husband stood on the opposite side of the bed and gazed at his wife and her distorted mouth with unquestioned love. The young wife asked the doctor, Will my mouth always be like this? And he replied that it would, that the nerve was cut. She lay there in silence. The young man smiled. I like it, he said. It's kind of cute. And the surgeon wrote elegantly, At once I know who he is. I understand and lower my gaze. One is not bold in an encounter with the God Then the young man bowed low to kiss his wife's crooked mouth and the doctor was close enough to see how he twists his own lips to accommodate hers to show her that their kiss still works. When I read this story, I can't help but think about the incarnation through Jesus The God of the universe bowed low to assume the nature and form of a human being. He did this so that he could meet us in our wounded condition and demonstrate his love for us. When God created human beings in his own image, he wanted to look at men and women and see his own reflection. He wanted to smile and see us mirror his smile back. Because of sin, though, the God image was distorted and the human smile became crooked at best. But God, who was determined to bless the people he had made, rearranged himself into a form that could kiss our twisted smile. John wrote, the word became human and lived among us. The Apostle Paul let us know that God continued to be who he had always been, yet made himself nothing and was made in human likeness so he could show us his love. In the incarnation, God was saying he had found a way to meet us in our scarred condition. He devised a way to match his holiness to our marred humanity. He bowed low to kiss us, to show us his love. If this is how God treated us, what are the implications for that in how we should treat others? Sometimes we have people in our lives who are not just unblessed, but who seem unblessable. They have crooked smiles, not because of a decision anyone else made, but because of decisions they have made. Can you bow low to bless that person? Can you kiss Their crooked mouth. You might have a teenager who's in a season that feels plagued, or an adult child whose decisions have brought you grief, or perhaps on another level. You see little in your spouse to affirm right now or have a friend that you feel estranged from because of some choices they have made or you're in some other significant relationship with someone who just seems unblessable. But Jesus brought us God's blessing even in our utter depravity. Romans 5.8 tells us God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ Died for us. How might how might this impact the way you think about loving others who need your blessing, even those who right now may seem to you to be unlovable? See Jesus set the bar really high when he taught us who were responsible to bless. Jesus said, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. See, Jesus showed up on the planet to... Reconcile fallen humanity to a holy God. But now we're told we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And to reconcile means to turn an enemy into a friend. 2 Corinthians 5, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. I had a woman this morning, and there are a lot of people in the line to have books signed so no one would ever be able to know who this woman is in fact i don't know her uh she wanted me to sign a book and she gave me a card to sign it in a man's name and she stood there and started trembling and tears flowed down her face and she said this is for my soon-to-be ex-husband giving her soon-to-be ex-husband a book that says the Lord bless you is bending down low to kiss his crooked mouth. But we've been called not just to bless the obvious blessable. We've been called to bless the apparently unblessable. And our blessing can turn even an enemy into a friend. Sometimes we bless people because of what we see in them Or not because of what we see in them, but because we have faith that God's blessing can turn the apparently unblessable into the blessed and can even turn an enemy into a friend. Thankfully, Jesus bowed low while we were still technically His enemies. Romans tells us, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son. So, who are we responsible to bless? Anyone? Everyone? Everyone? We are agents of God's blessing. God wants to bless the world and has decided to bless the world through us. Would you please stand with me?